Good morning. Stand and sing the call to worship with us. We'll get started. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some people coming in in the next few minutes, and some people will come in an hour from now. So, uh. This morning, her and Caroline went on a, a girl's trip to the beach this weekend with her sister and um, Nana and uh, Eli's with my parents because that would have just been a little difficult at this point um, with him here. And uh, so we are without one yet again, um, but uh, we're here to praise and worship. I, I guess uh, it's Peter, Paul, and Mary this time. Yes, Peter, okay. Paul, and Mary. That's right. Arthur thought it was going to be, who did you say? Sonny and Cher. Sonny I thought I wasn't going to be here for a while. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're mixing things up. <laughs> we'll all be here next week, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. 
You're all I want. 
angle right here. Hi, see if I can turn y'all on and off like that. It's good to see everybody here today. Glad you set your clocks correctly last night. And in a little while, we'll turn around and see everybody else come in what they think is the right time and say, ha, ha, ha. But uh, turn and greet your neighbor and get something more to eat or drink. And then uh, we'll invite the children to come join us in the front here at the same time as well. Good morning. This morning I have some clay or Play-Doh, and we're going to look at it. Today, uh, I left the lid off my Play-Doh, and it kind of dried out. And it kind of reminded me of the way life is without God in it. It's kind of dry. It doesn't stick together. Nothing really goes right. It just kind of it just doesn't, doesn't work right. When we don't pray, we're not at church, and we're not uh, asking for forgiveness of our sins. But, and then I looked at my Play-Doh that, that didn't dry up. And I looked how I can make this into anything I want. So it's kind of like God. If we have God and we have Jesus in our heart and we are praying and we're going to church and doing all the things that God tells us to do in the Bible, then he can make us into whatever creation he wants to, us to be. And all we have to do is trust in him. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us to look to you and to let us be able to be molded into whatever you want us to become. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, you can go back and sit with your folks. It's good to see all of you here today. Glad you could be here for this time of worship. Uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, we're glad you're here. And we hope that uh, you feel at home with us today and comfortable here. Uh, enough that you want to come back a second, third, fourth, fifth, and forever time. We'd love for that to be the case. If you're looking for a church home, this is a good one. Uh, there are lots of good ones around, but this is a good one. Uh, and we invite you to, to, to uh, be a part of this church family. Um, great, great people here. We also invite you to share any prayer concerns that you might have uh, with us today. Our ushers have index cards. If you'd raise your hand, they'll hand you an index card and a pencil if you need one. And uh, we invite you to write something down that you don't mind being repeated in a few moments. And I will lead us and prayers for your concerns um, and uh, we will collect those in a, in a few minutes lots of prayer today good 
Well, let's see. Things happen as usual. Um, confirmation class at 4.30 today. Uh, Council on Ministries is at 7.30 tonight. The youth have their normal meeting, 5.30 junior highs, 6.30 all groups for a snack supper, and then right after that the senior highs will be meeting and run until about 8 o'clock uh, tonight. Um, next week is Palm Sunday. So we look forward to that special day. We will have some special music for you next Sunday that the uh, band has been working on. I hope you will be here for that. We also will have the palms, of course, and time to remember the triumphant uh, entry into Jerusalem by Jesus as he heard uh, King Jesus being proclaimed as he rode into town that day. So we invite you uh, to be here next Sunday for that and for the Monday Thursday communion that week uh, on Thursday night. And then, of course, Easter is two Sundays away. It has an excuse to be cold this year on Easter. Last year was ridiculous in late April or mid-April. It was cold. Are there other announcements? Let's see. The children's classes, we need to tell about that, I guess. If you're, hmm? Oh, children have the Bible study tonight at 6.30. But all children's classes from nursery through 12th grade are now in this building. So if you happen to be visiting and you wonder where the children go, preschoolers are on the first floor. Uh, kindergarten and above is on the second floor. So we invite you to stay for Sunday school at 10 o'clock and then our traditional service is at 11. Yeah, Chris, that's good. In the past, the area churches um, have gotten together for an Easter sunrise service. It has been so long since we've had a successful outing for Easter sunrise because of bad weather uh, and we preachers said we were tired of looking at each other and nobody else for the sunrise service. So we have decided this year to have instead of the sunrise service a Good Friday service indoors uh, seven o'clock and this year it's going to be out at Fairview Baptist Church and I believe the speaker uh, is going to be from First Pres. Uh, I guess that would be uh, Brandy Casto, Castoweights, Casto, anyway, Brandy, uh, very fine preacher. Um, and so that will be at 7 o'clock on uh, uh, Friday, Good Friday, out at uh, Fairview Baptist. We hope we'll have lots of folks from all of our churches that are able to come to that. The other thing that has figured into the negative attendance at Sunrise Service is churches more and more having a 9 o'clock or an eight, even an 8.30 worship service. And it is difficult to have a sunrise service around 7 o'clock and get back and be ready to go in your own church um, by 8.30 or so. So that was another factor in our decision. We'll see how that works this year. Any other announcements? Hmm? Monday, Thursday? Uh, a week from this coming Thursday will be, yes, communion. So we've got 10 days till that. Um, ask ushers to re retrieve our prayer cards now and we'll have our time together in prayer. I missed a visit last week from Andy and Caroline to
to, uh, to the church office. I'm sorry I missed because Caroline came in and told June that she had given all of her toys away. And June said, why did you do that? Caroline says, I don't need them anymore. June said, why is that? She said, because I'm getting married tonight. And June said, that's nice. Who are you marrying? And she said, offer. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Let us join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> We thank you, God, for this day. We thank you that as we make our way through Lent and now as we come to a time when our, our days will be indeed lengthening, we might remember that you lengthened our, our lives and our days through the work of Jesus during these days. For when he prepared himself and gave his life for us, he gave to us eternal life. So we thank, we thank you this day for what you accomplished for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We continue to prepare ourselves for the significance, that significant moment of realizing how much you care for us, Heavenly Father, that you would put your life literally on the line for us and die for us. May we be so inspired by the, re the renewal of our faith during these days that we, we might live for you day by day as we follow you as our Lord and Savior. Here are our special prayers for today. We pray for Father David Valatierra of Rock Hill and his recovery from surgery and treatment of cancer. We pray for healing for Carl Reinick and Mike Berg. We pray for our troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We give you thanks for a mother's good health and continued good test results. We pray for a friend who is searching for something more and we pray that that search will lead them to find you. We pray for Mark as he continues to go through more testing. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus Christ who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. A blank. Andy is speaking this morning, and uh, we're glad to have him come and lead our service. Um, the last Sunday of the month, the newsletter lists me as the speaker, but that's my mistake. Um, 
I had forgotten that I had twisted Bill Clute's arm again. So Bill will be speaking on that last Sunday. Good morning. Hope you're all doing well. See, I left the clicker up here. Um, I want to give you a bit of a heads up about next week. Next week is going to be a song service. There will be no sermon next week. Uh, we've been working on some music for Easter. Uh, it's really been in the works since like two days after the Christmas concert, and, and Kelly really hated that. But um, I got an email with a very moving song uh, in it, and um, I just kind of ran with it a little bit. Uh, but we, we're very excited about sharing some music with you, and, and there'll be some old hymns done in a new way maybe. It's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of fun and a wonderful time for us to praise and worship together. And that's Palm Sunday next Sunday, and we'll have a little parade with palm branches and everything. So um, I do want to speak to you today about the effects of the crucifixion. And uh, before we get started, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your son and his death on the cross. For without it, we would not have forgiveness. We would not have the hope of eternal life newness of life now really we wouldn't have much of anything without his willing sacrifice and for that we thank you we ask that your spirit would be upon us today that it may open our hearts and our minds to receive a word from you that we may come away with a new perspective on the cross in your name we pray amen all right, I want to talk to you about the effects of the crucifixion. It's something that I've been led to, I feel like, I feel like I've been led to speak about for some time now um, because I think we've become numb to the cross. In some instances, I think we even water it down a little bit. If you think about it, the cross is actually quite iconic. It's everywhere. It's on our bumper stickers, our dashboards, our jewelry. It's everywhere. I once heard a comedian say that he went to Italy and Jesus Christ is the Coca-Cola of Italy. It's just everywhere. It's like advertised. And um, he was talking about statues and crucifixes and church steeples and everything. But, but that, uh, I think that that speaks volumes to the impact that Christ has had on human civilization since his death. But at the same time, I think we kind of get a little complacent about what the cross is. It is a symbol of death, of capital punishment during a time when, when humans were very brutal to one another. And more particularly, it is a symbol of the suffering and death of our Savior. And I think sometimes we are a little numb to that. We, we look at the cross or we wear the cross, and we really don't quite um, think about all that it means. And I'm hoping that uh, we can recapture some of that today as, as we look at some of the stories from the New Testament surrounding Jesus' crucifixion. Um, and we'll see that there were some people on that hill uh, on Calvary that did indeed um, see things in a new way and then there were some who um, were there and had the cross had seemingly no effect upon them and I want us to look at why that took place why some were affected so deeply and why some were not they both witnessed the same thing and is it the same in our lives today as we come to the cross um, a couple of verses that I came across just in my daily reading the past few weeks that kind of said yes Andy preach on the cross where, where these verses uh, we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles and this is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth 
Um, and then in 1 Corinthians, just a few verses later, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, For I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And so for Paul, this was at the very heart of the gospel. Now, I don't mean to downplay the resurrection, because that is the ultimate story of triumph and victory. But without the defeat of the cross, the resurrection isn't even possible. And so it's something that I think we need to recapture our um, uh, perspective on. Uh, and one of the verses that I want us to use to uh, kind of lay an underlying theme for all of this comes not from the gospel story but from Revelation 21.5 and it says and he who sat upon the throne said behold I make all things new also he said write this for these words are trustworthy and true behold I make all things new now this person speaking here is presented as what I believe to be the main character of Revelation in chapter 5 of Revelation it talks about a lamb who is slain yet stands. It's a very surreal picture, and for me, it's the climax of the entire book. It is a lamb that has been slaughtered, yet stands alive. Now, that's obviously a paradox, but it's very symbolic for Christ and what he's done. And it's that person, that entity that is speaking here, and without the death of that lamb, the possibility of making all things new isn't even there. And so it's through Jesus' death and suffering that things can be made new. And so that's going to kind of be an underlying theme, is what can be made new as we approach the Christ this Easter. Um, let's get started. The first story I want us to look at and the first people I want us to look at that were there were the Gentiles. The Roman centurions, the soldiers who were with Jesus from his uh, trial before Pilate all the way to taking him down from the cross. It would have been their job to crucify people. This is what they did on a regular basis. And our texts come from Matthew and Mark here. Uh, Matthew's gospel says, When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. Mark's gospel is similar. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Luke's gospel has a very similar account, except the centurion ends up saying something like, surely this man was righteous, or surely this man was innocent. But I think that for our purposes, this is a very powerful statement. Truly this man was the Son of God. Now what caused these men who crucified people on a regular basis, this was their job, this was part of their duties as Roman centurions, they had crucified hundreds, possibly thousands of people, what caused this one to be different? What caused this one to bring something new, some new spiritual insight to say this was the Son of God? What, what made that happen? And I think two things did. The first thing is their position at the cross. It's found in the first parts of the verses. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus, they were paying attention to what was going on on the cross. And in Mark's gospel, and when the centurion who stood facing him, they were facing the cross, they were watching the cross, they were paying attention to what was going on. They were focused. And as a result, I believe God had a way of working in their lives. Because like I said, their statement, truly this was the Son of God, is a very powerful statement. Just a few chapters back in Matthew, you have Peter making the same statement to 
after Christ. When Christ said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what was Jesus' response? Jesus' response was, flesh and bone could not have told you this. Only my Father in heaven could reveal it to you. And now you have Gentiles making the same statement. So we know that God was working in this situation. And I believe that they received a, a new revelation, a new insight from the cross because they were paying attention to it. They were focused on it. And God was able to work in their lives. Now we don't know what happened as a result of this new insight. But we do know that God was at work here. There were some soldiers there at the cross who weren't paying attention. John 19, 23 through 24 says this. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. Also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. Now these soldiers participated in the crucifixion. They stripped him of his clothes, nailed him to the cross, set the cross up there, and then they turned their attention away. And what did they turn their attention to? Whatever earthly treasure they could gain from this day's work. That's what they were doing. Instead of looking at the cross, they were looking at the ground where they were rolling dice, essentially. That's what casting lots is like. Their attention was not on what was going on on the cross. It was on what earthly treasure they could gain. And I think that too often, that's the way we look at the cross. I think that it's a glance, and then it's, oh, well, what are we going to do after church for, for, for lunch? Or especially this time of year, so-and-so is coming to town for Easter. Is there going to be tension at the family gathering? Or whatever it may be. All right, But we get caught up in the earthly things when we come to the cross. Especially this time of year. If we don't pay attention and we don't focus. We get caught up in the earthly things and we may miss out on a new revelation or a new insight or a new way of thinking. So that's the first lesson. Pay attention from the centurions. And... Uh, the second story is one of my favorite. It's about the thieves on the cross. Now, all four Gospels have some mention of Jesus being crucified between uh, two robbers or criminals or thieves or whatever. But Luke's Gospel really expounds on it and gives us some dialogue between the thieves and even between uh, the thieves and Jesus. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we can all relate to this, because we can all say, along with the thief, that we are justly condemned for our sins. And without the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, we would receive the due reward. Eternal separation from God. But what I wonder is, is do we approach the cross of Christ this Easter and say, Jesus, remember me? Because he has remembered us. Or maybe it's better yet, Jesus, thank you for remembering me. Remember me. And so maybe we need to come to the cross this Easter with that new perspective asking Jesus to remember us thanking Jesus for remembering us and dying for us that we might receive the same newness 
that the thief received in Jesus' answer. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Now this little verse right here is slammed full of theological goodies, but we can't get into that today. Um, but for the sake of what we're talking about, this man lived a life worthy of death on a cross. This thief did. He was condemned, he was sentenced, and his end was coming. I don't know what he was thinking. I, we don't know what he believed before he met Jesus, uh, what he thought of an afterlife. He was going to meet his maker, and he met him, but before he died. And his maker said, truly today you will be with me in paradise. That is newness. That is newness that this thief received from the cross. And it, Jesus would not have been able to say this if that thief did not truly have a repentant heart. Those statements are not mere words. There was a heart that was behind them that was true and right and allowed Jesus to say, truly today you'll be with me in paradise. So the soldiers teach us to pay attention to the cross. The thief tells us to come to the cross with a repentant heart. And then finally, perhaps the most graphic uh, portrayal of newness that the cross can bring must come from John, the disciples' experience. Now we know that John was the only one who made it all the way to the cross with Jesus, as far as we know. Peter, he hung around through some of the trial uh, in front of the high priests, but he denied him three times, and then we have no more picture of Peter in, until the empty tomb scenes. But John, he stayed by with Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, and the other Marys, there's a lot of them, um, but he, he stayed by with them all the way to the end. And certainly as he stood there at the foot of the cross and looked up at his Savior, these words that Jesus spoke just the night, night before must have taken on an all new meaning. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eating, eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now John, standing there, looking up at Jesus on the cross, broken and bleeding and fragile, must have seen these words in a completely new light. It's real. The sacrifice is real. And I think we need to come to the cross and realize that. Now we, we take communion, and it's all in our liturgy. This is the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. But it's real. There was real body, and there was real blood to go along with that sacrifice. And it was made extremely clear for John as he stood there and watched it. And I tell you what, we, have, we all have an opportunity to take communion 10 days from now, Monday, Thursday. And if you'll do that with your eyes shut, imagining the crucified Christ, see if it doesn't make that experience new for you. So, we have the soldiers who teach us to pay attention. We have the thief who teaches us to come to the cross with a repentant heart. And then we're to see it in a new light and to realize that it is an actual event. It is not some mystical ritual that we perform. It is a reenactment of sorts of the sacrifice that Christ gave for us. And I think we will see that the cross has something new for each and every one of us. Do you look at the cross and turn away? 
give it a passing thought and that's it? Or has it had a lasting effect on your life? Has it left an impression? Do you come to it each and every time looking for something new, something different, something else that God can impart to you through it? Because the wonders of the cross are unending, never ceasing. And I want to end with a little bit of a story that you, if you piece it together from two of the, two of the Gospels, um, I just find this so interesting. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After this, and this is from Gospel of John, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, I thirst. Second to last thing that Jesus said, according to the Gospel of John. He said, I thirst, and then he said, I finished, and breathed his last. But he said, I thirst, because he knew that all was finished. He said, I thirst, because he knew that all was finished. He had done it. He had achieved his mission. He had completed the assignment he was given. He had made a way for man and God to have a restored relationship. He had done it. He knew he had finished it. And he said, I thirst. Now, I'm flying in the face of a lot of scholars because I don't think this is a physical thirst that he's talking about. I think that this is a thirst, a spiritual thirst, for the fruit of the vine that he'll drink new in the kingdom of God. And the New Testament is slammed full of uh, metaphors about how the new fruit or the fruit of the vine is souls, one for Christ. The disciples were to, to go out and produce fruit. We're to produce fruit. And that's not just the fruit of the Spirit. That is souls. That is what Jesus thirsted for. He'd made a way for it to happen, and now he wanted to see it happen. He wanted those people there at Calvary who he already prayed for, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And he wants us today to come to him and to give him our life. So as we approach the cross this Easter, remember, pay attention to it. Look at it. Focus on it. Come with a repentant heart, knowing that it's because of our sins that Jesus endured that. And experience Christ in an all-new way like John did as we sit before the cross. Amen. If the ushers would come forward to receive our tithes and offerings.
Please stand for our last song. Since Kelly's not here, we are finally doing that old version of Amazing Grace that we used to do. Like rain falls down. 
doing more than just giving the cross a glance on your way somewhere else, letting it be more than just a piece of jewelry or something that you occasionally think about, but it be for you a reminder of the sacrificing love of God to win you and your freedom. Have a great week.